What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. There is no doubt we face a profound economic challenge. We now need stability and unity. I pledge that I will serve you with integrity and humility. The most important objective for our country right now is stability. Governments cannot eliminate volatility in markets. You're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics, your daily guide to the corridors of power. I'm Ewan Potts. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Coming up on today's programme, nominations are open for the high-profile job of Treasury Select Committee Chair. We'll be speaking to one of the favourites, Conservative MP Harriet Baldwin. Plus, it's on all the front pages of the newspapers today. Matt Hancock, who was reported to be interested interested in the committee chair job, is now doing something completely different and rather more controversial. We'll speak to former I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here contestant and former Lib Dem MP Lembit Opik. But first, Westminster's been so focused on the serious news, Ewan, that it feels now really like everyone wants something else to talk about. And of course, well, Matt Hancock has delivered, hasn't he? The former health secretary who ran the department during COVID is going to take part in, in a reality TV show that's much better known for bug eating. The Conservative former chief whip, Mark Harper, was not impressed. Going on I'm a Celebrity is not compatible with doing your job properly as a Member of Parliament, which is why the whip's been taken away. Mm -hmm. And as a former Chief Whip, I completely support those decisions taken by my successor. Okay, so that was Mark Harper. Uh, Now, Ewan, my husband absolutely loves a restaurant in central London that serves up bugs on a plate. I've never been. (laughs) Totally disgusting. Is this Rishi Sunak being a new broom trying to sweep out the old... I mean, it was head spinning how quickly Matt Hancock lost the whip. Yeah, it was really quite something, wasn't it? I was amazed because often you get this, you know, there's a media storm, isn't there? And it goes on for days and days. And then uh, finally the, the whip's office come into force and say, right, we better chuck this this person out. But yeah, it happened within within minutes, didn't it? Really fast. So it's interesting to see if this is something to do with, you know, Sunak exerting his his authority. Mm. I, I think on the, on the actual substance of the matter, I have some sympathy for Matt Hancock. You know, his political stock is is very low. A lot of people um, uh, really dislike him. And the poor guy wants to do something else. I know he's being paid to be an Mm. MP, um, but it is just a few weeks. And uh, I I hope he will come back to being a proper MP in Suffolk, uh, you know, when when he returns. So I I don't feel it's it's the worst transgression of the rules, personally. Okay, yeah, I'm not sure whether the families of COVID victims, people who are critical of the government's handling of COVID will really agree with that. Anyway, away from the drama, we also had a really great interview overnight. Lizzie Burden caught up with the UK Trade Secretary, Kemi Badenoch. It's out on uh, our Twitter feed and it's made quite a lot of waves. Kemi Badenoch was at the Green Trade and Investment Expo in Gateshead. She was there to talk about investing in the UK's future. But Lizzie also asked her if closer ties to the EU were needed to boost the British economy. Have a listen to the interview. 
Uh, to grow the economy, we need to have closer ties all across the world. That does include Europe, but um, the businesses that I've been speaking to are from everywhere from Spain to South Korea. Uh, and um, I'm very pleased to see just the sheer range of investment that is interested in the UK. Well, the Office of Responsibility says, in well, it said in March that trade's going to be 15% lower in the long term, specifically because of Brexit. Do you dispute the OBR's forecast? Um, yes, I do dispute the OBR's forecast because what happens with trade depends on the actions that uh, I and my colleagues across governments take right now. The OBR is probably making a forecast based on how we used to do things. They don't know how we're going to be doing things. So I think uh, wait and see is, is my response. But we know how much trouble the government's got in recently for ignoring the OBR. Well, I don't think the government ignored the OBR. I think we just didn't see an OBR forecast. And uh, having been a Treasury Minister, I distinctly remember pretty much every uh, previous OBR forecast never being quite right. So this is about us working in partnership with the OBR to get good forecasting rather than having a debate about whether the OBR or the government is is correct. Well, we respect the institutions and we work well with them. We're not working uh, against them. The OBR has a view. We have a different view. And And um, we'll keep working to find out exactly how to get the best in terms of investment into the UK. Okay, so a different view. That was the Trade Secretary, Kemi Badenoch, speaking there to Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden for Bloomberg Radio today. Well, there are four vacant seats to lead Parliament's select committees after Rishi Sunak announced his new cabinet. All MPs get to vote, including for the powerful Treasury Select Committee Chair. That's after Mel Stride, high-profile Treasury Select Committee Chair, resigned to become Secretary of State for the uh, Department for Work and Pensions. Well, the Treasury Chair, of course, means the authority to interrogate the Chancellor of the Exchequer, the Governor of the Bank of England, the financial regulators, the executives on the big commercial banks. It really is hugely important. Harriet Baldwin, MP for West Worcestershire, is one of four Conservative MPs vying for that role. And I'm pleased to say that she joins us this morning. Good morning, Harriet. Good morning, Caroline. How are you? Really well. I'm very pleased to have you back on UK politics uh, here at Bloomberg. Um, Harriet, I just want to start on that interview that you were listening to there, Kemi Badenoch, who was speaking to Lizzie Burden. It's yet another government minister undermining the credibility of this really key UK institution, the OBR. Do you think that the budget of office, the office of full budget responsibility is credible or do you also have your own view like Badenoch? Well, look, I mean, I uh, was part of the government that set up the uh, Office for Budget Responsibility, and I've been on the Treasury Select Committee for the last three years. I'm the only candidate standing for chair who's actually been on the committee. And one of the things that we did call for over the summer um, was to get those forecasts out there. I do think they act as a good independent check on what government itself is forecasting. But I also acknowledge, and I worked in the financial markets for 20 years before politics, that any forecast is always going to be an estimate. And I think, you know, one of the things I've been doing on the Treasury Committee over the last three years, and particularly since the end of the pandemic, is I've been actually challenging not only government ministers, but challenging the governor of the Bank of England um, in terms of the inflation forecast that they've had. And I do think... Uh, that inflation has unfortunately, you know, proved my Cassandra-like properties correct because it has got out of its box. And I do think we need to uh, try and encourage the policymakers to get inflation back down again. Okay, but there's a difference between having disagreements about forecasts 
and trying to come up with the best forecast. And what Kemi Badenoch is saying, is what she says acceptable to you? I think the uh, Office for Budget Responsibility is uh, quite different in terms of uh, market forecasters because I do think they get um, access to some of the the, the government uh, data and also the government plans a little bit ahead of schedule. So, I mean, are an important check on the homework and that's why the committee over the course of the summer was really calling for them to get their, their numbers out there and we would have preferred if we'd have had a, a forecast at the time of the, of the September 23rd event. So, yeah, I think it's it's important and a rigorous, um, and I think the committee uh, generally will continue to support uh, getting the Office for Budget responsibility on things. Harriet, do you think the OBR has been permanently damaged from the, the trust debacle? Do, do you think that when uh, Sunak and Hunt deliver their statement on the 17th of November, there's, there's a danger that OBR forecasts will not be as, as credible as they were before? Actually, I think the case for an independent uh, marking of the government fiscal homework has actually increased. Uh, you know, over the summer we were calling for it. We then got um, the fiscal end on the 23rd of September that didn't have it with it. And you can see how that spooked the markets. And I think, you know, one of the things I learned in my two decades in the markets is, you know, it's important for government to be as clear, predictable and transparent as possible. And then the market will find the right level. But that is not what happened. Uh, I mean, the trust government in a matter of weeks almost sank the UK gilt market. They caused a major problem for pension funds. They caused sterling to tank. It was a massive crisis. And it's only a few days ago. I wonder what your perspective is as a member of the Treasury Select Committee on the committee that has this kind of crucial oversight role, whether there's some portion of responsibility also for the Treasury Select Committee that it didn't manage to prevent this disaster? Well, we we didn't successfully get the Office for Budget Responsibility out in time for September 23rd, although I think we may have lost the skirmish. We've certainly won won the war because I think that's now happening. I think we're seeing a different uh, chain economic policy from from the government. One of the other things I've been uh, challenging uh, on uh, the regulatory front is with the deputy governor, and the fact that the Bank of England, obviously, we've now moved to a tightening cycle. We're moving into quantitative tightening as well as um, uh, as well as raising interest rates. And I was asking him at the beginning of September about the capacity for the gilt market to absorb not only fiscal expansion from the previous uh, chancellor, but also quantitative tightening. And again, there I feel I have been. Once again, a bit Cassandra-like because the gilt market really struggled with all of that. And um, it was good yesterday to see that first issuance of quantitative tightening went, you know, very well. And I think it signifies that the gilt market's returning to more predictability and better health. Economic policy, the, the workings of the Treasury and the economy are going to be absolutely central, uh, not just for, for the UK, but also for the general election, uh, uh, which we've got coming up. How will you maintain the independence of the Treasury Select Committee? Well, the Treasury Select Committee is um, obviously it's backbenchers and uh, the chairmanship is actually the electorate is the whole House, so including opposition parties. So it does tend to be respected, independent voice uh, scrutinising from 
um, from Parliament, um, but one of one of you know a range of independent voices, and and you you've mentioned the important role of the Office for Budget Responsibility. So you know we will um, I think have an important role to play with the fiscal statement on the on the seventeenth, and of course uh, you don't let's forget the important re the, the change in the architecture of the whole financial services regulatory regime, which is currently going through Parliament in the shape of the financial services bill. Harriet, in terms of this um, fiscal statement, and we're busily being sort of prepared, the groundwork is being laid by this uh, new government, um, new leadership at least, for tax increases and cuts to public services. Do you think that that's the right course of action now? I mean, it's huge handbrake turn versus the Liz Truss administration. We'll leave that aside. Do you think the 50% um, from tax increases and 50% from spending cuts is the right way to fill this fiscal hole that we keep being told about? Well, you're absolutely right that there's a fiscal hole and it's important for your listeners to appreciate the reason for that. And that is that we reversed the national insurance hike during the time of the trust government and also the energy uh, price guarantee was brought in which is protecting all of our constituents um, from the, the hikes that we're seeing in terms of gas prices in the UK. So those two big spending items are the things which are the gap that needs to be filled, uh, those primary causes of it. And uh, so I think that there will be a combination of, as you say, both spending restraint, I wouldn't say cuts, I spending restraint, uh, and also um, some possible increases in terms of taxation. Um, but bear in mind that taxes were rolled back a lot during um, the, the month and a half of the trust government. You mentioned uh, your foresight on uh, the inflation story. What do you see as the key threats facing the UK economy as we head into next year? Well, the key threat is that President Putin has effectively weaponized energy against Western economies. You know, we're not the only economy that is having higher energy prices. We do have peculiar characteristics in the UK in that I think more of our mix comes from gas than perhaps some other economies. We don't buy Russian energy, but of course we pay uh, the global price. And uh, that's, uh, you know, a big um, weapon to attack our industrial base, but also our constituents in terms of their home heat bills. And so it's that hit to demand, I think, is the biggest challenge facing the economy. I actually strongly welcome the measures that we've taken on energy price, uh, prices for consumers. And I think that will help to reduce the hit to demand. But um, it's early day in terms of that that data and um, no question that it's going to have a negative impact. It's just a question of how negative. Okay. Harriet, thank you so much for being with us. It's been great to have you back on the programme. Um, Harriet Baldwin is MP for West Worcestershire, one of the four Conservative MPs, um, you know, vying to become the head of the Treasury Select Committee, somebody with whom we like to have a close relationship to understand the picture from UK government. So, And as Harriet was saying, all the members in Parliament can vote in this process, even though, of course, the the, um, the chairman role of most of the committees is is conservative. So uh, then the vote will happen next week. Yeah, really important job. Uh, nominations open now. They're going to close on Tuesday of next week. And as you mentioned, Caroline, uh, voting will take place on Wednesday. If there's only one candidate, which seems unlikely in this particular race, then the Speaker will announce the result that same day. 
Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. So a former senior minister has picked reality TV rather than face political reality. Just days ago, Matt Hancock was talking about running for the Treasury Select Committee chair. Instead, he's touched down in Brisbane late last night to take part in ITV's I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. He's not the first politico to make the move. Ed Balls went on to Strictly Come Dancing, Penny Morden on that diving show called Splash. And our next guest is a politician turned reality TV victim himself, Lembit Opic. Thank you so much for joining us here on Bloomberg UK Politics. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah, you're a former Liberal Democrat MP, of course, and you yourself were on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Uh, and I suppose the question is, um, what makes politicians want to make this leap? Uh, well, uh, some of them lose their seats like I did, though I have to say I'd have been in the jungle anyway, even if I'd won my seat. Others want a career change and some are just curious. Uh, I would say I'm in the first category. Uh, 
Matt Hancock was probably in the second. He wants a career change. Uh, and the third one uh, would be Nadine Doris, who was curious. Uh, it all leads to different outcomes, uh, probably partly because of my profile. Uh, things all went horribly wrong for me, uh, and uh, I live a different life now. I think Matt's probably thought he's going to get us no further. He can't get above cabinet level. He's not going to be prime minister. So now he's decided to do this. It's a high-risk strategy if he wants to, to be successful in politics again. But you know what? Sometimes you have to throw the dice. How much um, actual anger do you think there's going to be in Suffolk, where Matt Hancock represents? Um, as you mentioned, you lost your seat, although that was before I'm a Celebrity. But uh, you have been involved with some other sort of high-profile stuff, hadn't you? And I think that was, was probably a contributing factor. High-profile relationships and doing various kinds of uh, media, which were regarded as celebrity, may have had a negative effect. It wouldn't be the only reason. But, yeah, it may have harmed me. Uh, I didn't really make the calculation. I think I was a bit naive, to be honest. I thought maybe even that people would separate that from my political career. It's possible Matt's making the same mistake. I know him well, but I didn't talk to him before he went in. Um, the constituents... Great question. That's all that really matters. It doesn't matter what you think or what I think. Uh, what matters is, if he wants to stand again, will the majority of his constituents agree with his decision or not? In Nadine Doris's case, yes. She did the jungle and after that became a cabinet minister. Uh, in my case, no. And maybe my celebrity profile was part of it. So that's, those are the dice I'm talking about. That's the risk he's taken. But if he's not re-standing really anyway, why not start uh, plowing your new furrow? Yeah, okay. Um... Look, there's also the money factor, uh, the ritual humiliation, okay. But look, the, the other main point is you you say he's a cabinet level minister. And part of me as a kind of, you know, the political journalism hat that I have feels um, really pretty frustrated that he would go on to a reality TV show, but kind of try to avoid scrutiny for his actual role during one of the biggest crises of the last century in Britain. And you can kind of understand why the victims of COVID and why their families are particularly disgusted. They make it sound like a third party thing. My agent, Terry Mills, died from COVID. My mother died not of COVID, but last year. And I didn't see her for the last 18 months of her life because of the rules. I saw her at the very end. So I'm one of those other people. And I don't hold it against Matt Hancock. Yeah, I think he made some pretty big mistakes. Part of it was hypocrisy. I, they should never have legislated those stupid things that they couldn't keep themselves. But when it comes down to avoiding scrutiny, he's not. He's not hiding in the jungle trying to avoid the inquiry. He'll come back and face the music. I know him. He's honourable enough in that sense. You may throw lots of mud at him, but that's not one of the things that would be fair to say. I judge that he's in there because he's thinking, well, look, I'm throwing in the towel in terms of any further ambitions here. I want to do something else. And you know what? It's the crown jewels of uh, reality television. It's actually quite flattering to be in there. And it's certainly an interesting experience. I, I, I say give the man a break. And as I said before, minority of one, perhaps. But I don't think he should be lambasted through the right to indignation of people who have had loss. But I'm one of them. And I don't feel like throwing that mud at him. Isn't there something in a lot of politicians? I don't think all of them, but certainly some politicians, you know, they go, in, go into politics because they like being in the limelight. They like the idea of publicity. There's a lot of kind of sort of me, 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 me there. So perhaps it's, it's not that surprising looked at through that lens. 
Maybe, but it's a really risky way to build your profile. Uh, one thing I'll say about Matt, once again, as a, as a friend, I think he might be a little bit naive sometimes about thinking he can, he can edit his own approach as a parent. For mm. one thing I can promise you is ITV wants to see the worst in people, except with people like Harry Redknapp, who didn't have an agenda. He's just an all-round lovely guy. Matt clearly has an agenda, and that's a risky thing. And uh, if he was listening to mm. me today, I'd say, Matt, just be yourself. Don't pretend you're going to be able to define how you look. Now, the thing about fame and celebrity, it's always, I've always found it curious. I've ended up well-known, and I suppose in some ways a celebrity, but it was never my intention. And uh, I've never really understood the bang people get out of being famous and so on, but I accept that lots of people feel that way. I don't know where Matt stands on that. But he's certainly, if his intention is to be a celebrity, he's achieved it. He's on every newspaper headline in the country at the moment. And fundamentally, he, I didn't think he'd get his dyslexia story out there, but he has. Every interview I've done, I've mentioned it, and other people have. So ironically, the one thing I didn't think he would do would be promote his charity, but he's achieved that. So this is a very, very risky bronco to ride, and it'll throw you off if it goes wrong. But you know what? Maybe he's just decided uh, he's... He's had so many problems, and his life, perhaps at a personal level, is very, very messed up and very difficult. He's thought, well, you know, to hell with it. I'll just live my life now. And mm. you can't really hold that against a person, can you? Okay. Bottom line, how much do you think he's being paid? 300 grand? 600 grand? I'm guessing it's 350. But people have a habit of inflating what they had so that they get more from other people too. <laughs> uh, it'll certainly be a six-finger sum. I mean, I got 10 million, of course, but <laughs> can't back that up. Um, if HMRC is listening, I definitely didn't. Uh, but basically, uh, he'll, he'll have a big, big juicy sum, but he's not a poor man. He won't be doing it for the money. That's one thing I can say for sure. Uh, he'll be doing it for other reasons, perhaps a long-term career change, and I think that's the most likely thing. Lemma, do you think this helps trust in politics and, and politicians? Is it useful that politicians are seen to be more human or, or, or will this be a negative? It neither helps nor harms it. It really doesn't. And that's one thing when people like him and, and, and maybe even myself, you know, I want to reach out to the people, forget that. It's a, it's a reality TV show. It's entertainment. It's not politics. So I, I would say it's completely neutral. It's all about Matt and his image. It's not about politics. And that's something I think we've just got to be real, realistic about. Lembit Opic, thanks for coming on Bloomberg UK Politics. So that's it for Bloomberg UK Politics. Although, once again, I'm going to have to reach for my Greek and Roman myths book yeah, at another home. One. <laughs> another one. Because, of course, uh, our MP there, Harriet Baldwin, kept mentioning Cassandra, which is the Greek myth around uh, the priestess uh, to the god Apollo, basically the woman who was always well, saying truthful, truthful things and was never believed. But yeah, I'll have to go and look it up again. I need to do some reading up on this. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not well versed in these things. <laughs> well, I think this is a bit of a conservative MP obsession in my view. Yeah, because Liz trusted it as well, didn't she? And was yeah, it, was it and her Bojo all the time. Resigning speech. Yeah, and Boris Johnson at every opportunity. <laughs> yeah, there we are. So I have my little uh, myths book at home and I'll have to read up on it again. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.